Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Before I turn you over to the podcast, I just want to remind you that this podcast is made possible because of Game Art Institute. So if you're interested in a career in game arts, either in character arts or environment or one of the other directions that we're moving into in game design, for example, AR, VR, then head over to GameArtInstitute.com. The specialty, the thing that we really focus on there and that's really important is that we pick up where almost all traditional schooling fails. We pick up where it really matters when you're trying to get that job, right? Now, you may have gone to school. You may know somebody who's gone to school and they've spent $100,000 and they have been woefully unprepared to get that job in the industry because this industry doesn't care if you went to Harvard. They don't care if you know Jimmy Jack, Sally Sue. They care about your work, and that means that you've got to be in a place, in a state, in a way where you are focused on producing the highest quality work that you can possibly produce. That's what we do at the boot camp. You come in, we get focused, and we produce results. So head over to GameArtInstitute.com. You can head over to the um, student work or the alumni page where you can see what our students are doing. That'll give you an idea of what people are producing. And if you're interested, make sure that you apply today so we can get into the uh, phone call with you. And we are looking for students and uh, we have spots to fill. So make sure you give us a call. And I look forward to chatting with you then. All right, now back to the programming. All right. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining me here. Um, I have today, and we don't get a lot of conversations like this. So I'm really excited that we have Maria Ye here, uh, who's a lighting artist at, at a, one of my favorite game companies, Cloud Imperium Games. It's really like, it's just pushing so many barriers. It's really cool what they're doing. Um, and so I'm really excited to have her here. We're going to have a little conversation about uh, her, her background, you know, how she got where she is today. And then we're she's got a presentation where she's going to walk us through uh, lighting and and her thoughts on it um, inside of the game environment. So Maria, thank you so much for joining me. Hello everyone, and thanks Ryan for the invitation. Absolutely. So tell me um, before we get into your presentation, and because I really want to get in there, there looks like there's a lot of great stuff. Um, how long have you been doing this? Oh, I've working as a video game lighting artist since 2012, 13, which so it's almost five years. Okay. It's more than five years here now. Yeah. Awesome. How'd you get into this? Oh, well, it was completely a career switch because I initially studied fine art and then I went to a fine art institute in my hometown, China. Mm -hmm. So it was in Chongqing. And then after that, my subject for study is actually photography. So it's mainly for stage lighting and photography. But back then, I wasn't really sure like which sort of industry I'm jumping. And after I graduated from my bachelor, I went to England for study like purely for drama and stage lighting. I just want to see how it ends. So I enrolled a course like half for uh, exhibition and space design and the half is for like fine art project. You could do performance or like uh, theaters, whichever you want. So that was in Kingston in south part of London. And I was still thinking about working as a photographer once I graduated around 2009. Mm -hmm. And until then, I got a friend who was using Maya. And then I was just gradually starting. Maybe I can jump into the computer industry. But it sounds very difficult for me in the beginning because I thought, like, first, I can't really modeling. All I have is, like, fine art experience. And I know how to light and make nice photos. Mm -hmm. And until I know the game, it was Assassin's Creed, I believe. Yeah, it's a Renaissance one. So then I understand, oh, there's a type of job I could use my lighting knowledge I never before. And because I basically want to work in games and don't want like abandoned all I know and start something absolutely new. Because on one hand, I feel it's very risky. On the other hand, it's, it's not really realistic for me as an artist. So yeah, then I start like, I jump in several tutorials on YouTube and the free website. It was really bars, I believe, back then. So studying while working part-time as a photographer, and finally I got a job in an outsource company in Shanghai, introduced a friend. I guess that's how I jumped in the game industry. 
Yeah, and later then I worked at the outsource company basically for rendering and lighting. It's like real time and pre-rendering for about a year. And yeah. after that, I just yeah. did a test for Ubisoft Shanghai. And since then, I joined Bakuai. And after that, it was like two years and nine months in Ubisoft. And then I moved to Frankfurt in Crytek. So I worked at Crytek for Robinson, the clamp on VR till now. I moved to Cloud Imperium Games. Because I never worked on any space game before, so I feel that this is a new challenge. And it's quite interesting because this project is still on early development. Cool. Yeah, that's how far I'm doing. Yeah. So what do you love about um, alighting? Like, what drew you to that? Okay. Um, so I switch. Can you hear me still? Yeah, it's coming in and out, though, a little. Uh, yeah, I just need to, sorry, I need to switch for a little bit. But for alighting, it's more or less like... I was always looking for like a similar project and because like I mentioned I studied photography ago and I just use whatever I know and to push them further instead of learning something absolutely new. Got it. What is what was your favorite project to work on that's here on your art station? So basically I did most of those like all I present here, like after the Robinson one is all my personal project. Yeah. I think, yeah, the one I've done in latest is my favorite one. So it's actually inspired by Gilmore de Toro's Shape of the Water. Mm. Yeah, so I, it's actually a video. And would you let me play it or just show you the screenshot? Just show us the screenshot because it, it doesn't translate on this um, yeah. webinar system very yeah, well. Yeah, sure. Okay, sure. So because as a lighting artist, I do not really modeling the asset or make itself. Mm -hmm. So what I've done usually in my personal work, this is one of friends work is Joe's work. Which yeah. done, I think he's a lighting artist. He's a, a 3D artist at DICE for now. Mm -hmm. And I actually store this asset at Unreal Store on the market. And then what I've done, I give a new mood just to use this purely as a layout. So for most of my personal work, I just use whatever thing I feel I'm interested in. Most of them is like Victorian old architecture because I feel I just personally like that style. So I just adopt them and combined with maybe some movie or a music, whatever I inspired. And I just carefully designed the mood. It's more like we have an empty theater and set up the stage. And I usually use each project and light them with a specific style. So that's how I practice like my skill. Because I think as a lighting artist, except for like you could do very correct technology was this correct for rendering. I think in game it's more important about how you define the mood, how you combine these the scenario and the environment and make them work together. Mm. Yeah. That's, yeah, look at that. That's great. All right, let's let's hear your presentation. That'd be great to yeah. jump into that. Okay. Yep, sure. And so that's, this is a, a lighting tutorial which I built up long time ago when I worked at Ubisoft. Because the reason I'd like to share with this is because this is based on my own experience about lighting and also some of my interests like where and what type of resource I, I use while starting lighting. Because I know people looking for games and you probably say, okay, this game is beautiful and they look nice. But one thing I really like, I learned from a mentor, is always look further and deeper. So try to find out what is the base of the style. And also I believe because if you extract the first idea from the raw source or where like from art history, a different type of style and trend, I think the original resource will give you more idea and you will have way more space to expand your own source. It's more like you know the pattern of the shell and make them of your own. So I will just start jumping quickly. So one thing I'm really interested and always feel fascinated is the Baldwin music. Because while I was studying in London, I've been like work and went to them, even went to the theatre like a general audience. Because I keep watching those old theatre musicals like several times, like Les Miserables, Fatima, Opera and The Wicked. And I guess that's where I learned most of my interior and stage lighting. Because stage is always a stage. It's a very small space. And those great artists, they could expand in different moods swing, and make everything alive purely based on lighting. And I feel that's very fascinating. Maybe that's why I choose my final profession as a lighting artist. Mm -hmm. It's not a photographer. It's also like computer game. It's just like movie, but movie we we have more freedom to interact with. So in here, I just select a few of my favorite movie. Well, 
There's one for beauty and the best. I purely admire by lighting. And for brave, I was working on a clamp while I was and watching this movie like over and over again. It just teach me the beauty of Scotland. Because even I study in UK, I never I never born here. I feel if we make some convincing environment, like it's very important to know how to look like and also animations of always style. And I will find the idea and extract them from like whoever does a better job than I do. And uh, early one for uh, Pan's Liberate. Of course, Gilma de Toro, and I watched his quarter in recent. That's where I got that uh, latest project, that inspiration for my latest project. And the other one, I believe everybody loves it if you're into like stop motion, just Tim Burton. Because yeah, I think most of the movie I like is very highly stylized. And I was extracting several pictures from the beauty of nature because back then I was trying to use those screenshot to narrative like the thing about how to how the environment light can serve the story. Because no matter you work on the mission or you work in just purely pretty rendering, it's ne it needs to be way more convincing. And I think to extract any key elements from the environment you have, no matter you are lighting a level or character, just trying to find the right recipe to make them alive. So that's why I think study those, no matter it's concept or from film, it's very important because those artists, they have very good eye to extract all the elements to make things alive. And I also expanding a small part for season study and this season is a bit tricky, it really depends on where you are or like speak of different projects. Probably each art director has their own understanding about the level. Even like those are like early test sample in Far Cry, which I did. And I remember back then my art director was giving me very abstract guidance about the weather. So basically it's a sunny day, but they want either moody or like it's very safe or danger. But usually all we have is a holiday. So how may I use color to identify the season change or like is it humid or dried up? It purely depends on the color. So I think the very important thing which I got from my foundation, like fine art studies, like the understanding of the color chart, it's all really back to basic. Because to be honest, in the beginning, I never find like the fine art based knowledge going to be very useful to dedicate when I change my career and I decide to be a writing artist again. Because I always think like, ah, have to know the latest technology about the rendering I have to understand this shit. But in the end, I realized that the more environment I worked with and the deeper I understand, the most important thing is always like how you're going to grasp the idea. Because sometimes it really depends on your art director. Some art directors, they are good at like describing things and the others probably give me like very detail-based reference. But as a lighter, I see the margin is always very abstract. So how the work ends, if sometimes I'm lucky, I got a concept out, then I can based on that, it's very easy. But if it's like, say we are working for the open world 24 hour games, I need lots of knowledge and imagine fulfill the environment and make it alive. Yeah, so there's just like a more weather study. Because I just identify my own experience based on both interior and exterior. So this chapter is basically exterior. And I did a separate study for the fog and all VFX effect. Because people, I don't know, because in gaming industry, environment is very strange because people are dividing, sliding and special effects. But back to days I work as a apprentice in theaters, it's all about the light and the soft light box and smoke motion. So I usually think the light effect and all the particle effect, they should come together. That's one thing I really like mm. for my current job because my art director gave me lots of freedom and the, the special effect artists, they always like cooperate with me. So I could really have that freedom to make everything dancing together. That's a very rare experience, which I didn't have in my previous project or company. It's nothing about like the people, it's just because how the pipeline goes. And also the, we do not have that fluency of time because there's always a deadline. And for this movie, well, some people say it's quite commercial, but <clears throat> I would say the most impressive part for me is how they expand the old story into a new way. It's still very romantic and nice, but 
I could say how the way how the cinematography goes and how the understands the lighting works with all the fog and particles. Because I was quite impressed while I saw this concept in the beginning, just because like how they identify the color tone and contrast. It's never complete, but it's very iconic, and I could tell the cold and warm. Because I feel this image like this is a very good material for study. For how would I, how could I understand the light effect and use them in a very artistic way? And meanwhile, to maintain the coming, not we can't really make it like out of nowhere. We got always use things. So those, in my mind, I feel it's a very good reference because teach me how to code that norm and also how to balance them together. And except the movie and the concept art. I love watching stop motion, so yeah, I didn't find any good. This is just just a screenshot while I was watching the drop in the box. So I feel this type is quite different than the stop motion I know before. It's like very bright and and they use some crazy colors. Is I just feel like the way how they use the color is very brave. And for lighting, it's always about telling the space. So I'm just show how to tell us better. So movie and stop motion and that's the best way for me to study. I did a lot of research and collections about that. And oh, by the way, I'd like to show the. This is my. This is a mood board. While I was constructing the work I've shown earlier, the shape of watermelons in Victoria. Because sometimes, in, except I look at the image or I watch in the movie, I really like doing which I call. Film anatomy or something. So I took screenshot. I tried to find interview with the artist how they make the movie, just to see how people make things happen and try to mimic it. Because I believe like between camera and game editor, it's just different tool. I think as the artist or who make your own art, your understanding never change. But just look in very detail because. I didn't think further like, oh, I'm gonna recreate something like shape of water. I never think about that because maybe I just look at this image and say, okay, this balancing is great, and I love this color tone. And I always try to start with something so to achieve like this effect first, and maybe we can add more fog and how to make things interesting. Because maybe because I come modeling, so I. Always start with something very simple, but gradually I think the clear the topic or the clear the goal I have, I could push them even further. So while I was making my own stuff, I just try to make everything very simple, and I will only start with like this is the the shot I did for Far Cry 4, and the last chapter is actually for photography the characters. So I just summarize like everything I learned back to school or in my personal experience, like how you shape perhaps career so it's different and based on their age, gender or identity and scenario. So I you could see I almost watch everything and whatever very interesting I would just like to dig in and see if there's anything can narrow or anything new. Because I wouldn't say I'm really good at like job all the informations I did, but if I do find something very interesting, I will always look further, try to find like what type of inspiration those artists have while they're creating their own work. And I genuinely feel that's a very good place. That's how I, like this one, I was taking some idea from Mirror's Age. That's my favorite game, because it's almost a white mesh, and those lighting artists, they make lots of life and they speed up. So I did that experience for study and then the second one is purely for color because this one is like out of nowhere because this one day i talked to my friend say like see how many colors i could put in my and i just tried it goes a bit crazy and this one was working with my friend's bow so he's a really good environment artist and when i saw it I will say, okay, maybe I can give you a different mood because he's a big fan of Resident Evil. And when I saw his work, I purely see those luxury, dark Victorian house. And maybe because I live in England and I saw that type of weather every day. So I just try to deliver them, transfer them. They are unreal. 
and later, because I haven't watched the movie for uh, Crimson Pig by Detoro while doing this, and later one of my mentor tells me, hey, have you watched that movie? And then I was really surprised because Detoro chose like similar product which makes me very happy because it's like, okay, if someone way more better than I did that, probably this choice of color is correct. And this is another continuous study. So while doing this one, I was just simply challenging myself. How may I deliver a low-key lighting? So I was imagining like what is outside and just to use those British goon weather I saw every day. And I did some interesting lighting like experiment. It's more like an experiment. I'm glad I got this result that low-key lighting is very challenging for myself. And so I just push that boundary further. But to be honest, whenever I do my personal project, I never think about I'm going to create something great. It's more like I want to practice a specific mm -hmm. and then I'm trying. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Okay. All right. So I got a couple of questions if, if now is a good time for me to jump in. Yep. So, um, yeah. So tell me, uh, I mean, I guess, what are the mm -hmm. common lighting scenarios? So you mentioned low key lighting, right? And so if we're talking yeah. to environment okay. artists, yeah. what are the common type of mm -hmm. lighting scenarios that somebody can study? Uh, I would say it depends for environment and or for character because I would say all the lighting theory I use yeah. they are back to the fundamental. Okay. So I will recommend people study the three point lighting for character. Yeah. And the um, basic environment lighting, I would say, look at architect because there's not really a way because every case in terms of lighting, they're different. So like I myself, if I have to light something modern or new, just to find something real life, because I believe everybody has a very good eye to be a lighting artist because that's our everyday experience. So always refer something in real life rather than like owning a painting or owning a concept art. I think that's a very good point to start because, well, for now, ever, we all use digital tools. We've got time mapper, we get exposure, we have lots of control, but without knowing the fundamental or how the real world works, I think maybe they have to work even to figure out. If there's, see, I saw lots of good work online, like the environment is great, but because maybe the artist or the tool they use doesn't have like a decent value of exposure, it could simply ruin everything. Sometimes I feel it's quite waste. So just look at real life and find a sign or a layout is quite similar, or just to go take a picture of in different angle, different time of day, and different weather. Yeah, I think that's the most important fundament. Okay, got it. But if we were to try to get like yeah. um, some kind of way to codify this, so there's low level mm -hmm. light. What are other types yeah. of light setups that people could kind of study? And low level light means you know it's just going to be a mm -hmm. lot of shadow. So you're dealing with kind of you got to figure out how to light the shadow without yeah, without revealing you know what's in mm -hmm. there too much. So there's low level. Uh, there's low key light. What other kind of um, light scenarios are are good for these for us to practice? Mm, I think the first light, I don't know if I describe it in English is correct, but we call it shape up light. So basically you can start with an omni light and a spotlight and just forgot global illumination, forgot like any type of bake light dancing and all the rendering tool to boost the beauty level. Mm -hmm. Think about you shape up the light, shape up your object or your scenario with a spotlight and that guy gonna be the spotlight will be the main guy who lights up your shape no matter it's a wagon or it's a chair just play with that one light and find the ideal angle okay the way how we judging the ideal angle is simple it's like whoever which angle tells the volume the best and meanwhile it casts a beautiful shape and after say we try to set up the spotlight first imagine you're in a studio alone you get a spotlight and that's it. So after we shape up the object or your thing, then use one spotlight. The reason is because this spot, the spotlight will give you like fairly nice shape up, but maybe the shadow gonna get pitch black, or you get except the, where the light lights up, the background is pitch black. And then I feel it's time to play with the omni light. You can make it larger or smaller, softer or harder, depends on the radius, just to play with them. Because once you get the shape up, and you think about the omni light like your reflection board or something to add up 
and balance the contrast in mm -hmm. the scene. Just to start with something simple. And after that, maybe we will have a better idea like, oh, I need to add one more spotlight to make the shadow or the thing to layer them up. So always judging the picture, like forgot when, when, when I myself lighting, I will make like almost force myself, forgot the material first, forgot the vertex color or any texture first, just judging the shape, the form, the balance of contrast. Just pretend I can't really read the color. And after I shape them up with my key light spotlight and my first feel like Omnia could be one or two. And then I start thinking about, oh, shall I place the main object in a warm town or a cold town? And of course, in regards to the color shot, if I key my object in a cold town, I will save the warm town for my background. So I think it's easier to layer them up. It's just like painting. You get the base color, you get the base shape. And after that, we can probably divide one spotlight into two just to make them more convincing, more accurate. It's layer by layer. That's how I do my light. Okay, cool. Um, can we go back to your yeah. presentation real quick? I got a few questions I want to pull from the imagery yeah. there. Yeah, sure. So I'd love to talk just about... Yeah, uh, we'll just start here. So I'd, let's... Uh, there's the troll scene um, with the guy mm -hmm. uh, from Box Trolls. Um, uh, yep, there is a screenshot of this guy, right? Yeah. 19 yeah yeah so um if we're talking uh like it's it's um how do i say that uh so in cg of mm -hmm. course we, we have the problem that you know everything is crystal clear lighting everything is white and and you have to put you know you have to put so much of the real world into it so what are some mm -hmm. of the, some of the elements or like the anatomy of lighting um i i i, I think mm -hmm. of it like from from a painter because i'm i come from the painter perspective i i always think yeah. of light in terms of form so there's value and how it shows form mm -hmm. off then mm -hmm. there's lighting in mm -hmm. terms of color and uh, or there's hue saturation uh a yeah. hue variation really is kind of the key so warm cool things like that but that stuff's always very confusing you know warm in the shadows cool mm -hmm. in the light can you talk to mm -hmm. me for a bit about what are the essential elements of lighting you know, maybe the three or four essential mm -hmm. elements. So you mean like, see, if I do an anatomy about this screenshot, right? Yeah, you know, like, or or you I talked see. about how you set it up. So now once you've yeah. got this, mm -hmm. how do you know you're doing it right? What are three or four really important things that you're always checking? Yeah, I do. So like the first thing I will check is like, of course, no matter what work on game or film, there's always a topic. So first I see no matter which type of weather I select, it's warm or cold. Basically, we just use the time to define the season, the weather, or the time of day. So if that part is gone, that will identify the primary color chart and also the percentage of my cold and warm time in this imaging. Okay. And after that, yeah, then when but this is more like before I start set up the light. While I really work on the light, I will see the brightness between my primary light for the character or the scene or my secondary light for the bouncing or the environment. So that's almost the key element to define the contrast or sometimes the sharpness or softness of the image. So it really depends on what I want. If I'm lighting like a street in a raining scene, I would definitely choose some really sharp key light and probably give him some softer frog to tell the environment. But if it's a, it's a surgery room and there's something serious going on, I'll probably light them like the key light and the background are gonna be very balanced. And in return, I will push the specular in some detail, like probably we'll have some surgery bed or like any type of operate table mm. and got something metal. Yeah, if this is a really bright scene, I will always try to play with the shader and cube. Because either way, no matter it's a very bright image or a dark image, we need contrast. And based on the contrast, we need detail at each tone. So that's how I think. Okay, so and let me, I will let me, think the fog, the particles. Yep. Yeah, let me see if I can summarize. Mm -hmm. So first thing you mm -hmm. do is you define the temperature. Um, or you, you yep. the temperature defines really the time of day and the weather, so to speak, right? Yeah. Okay, then the next thing that comes in is the factors. What's the color of the bounce light? And that starts to determine like the, uh, that's the, that's what sets up the contrast. And so the factor there is what's mm -hmm. happening in the scene. And so if it's a, if yeah. it's, um, I think you said if it's a rainy day or, or something like that, then you mm -hmm. might put like a really sharp light on there because the rain's making mm -hmm. things diffuse. And so you'll put a sharp light in there and make things a little bit harder, right? 
yeah, that's true. Okay. And then if it was a surgery kind of scene, you know, you'll keep things kind of balanced, mm -hmm. but you'll increase the specularity to really, um, mm -hmm. you know, provide that, that amount of emphasis, you know, so to speak. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's more like I'm probably not really going to bouncing or boost the specularity, like a specific parameter in return. I'll ask my environment like the place mat or something like water highly reflective. So it's more like you design the scene based on like the design of light. Okay, got so, it. So yeah, it's basically I will try to influence the scene. Okay, so temperature and then the, the, the bounce light and then what's another element that you look for to really help sell a scene? Uh, yeah, so after, because we always have to go and look up to the background and the key light. So yeah. that happens in both real photography and in so light ratio. So speak, last ratio, last, uh, the light ratio is about how much like percentage or your multiple different times between mm -hmm. your background only light and the key light. Say if I have a key light with intensity like 10, I'll probably use like my intensity for background like now two because then the light ratio gonna be one by five if that makes sense so it's okay. like the brightness of the key light is really bright and then the we got intensity 10 for the key and then we got intensity two for the only light field so that's okay. how i define the contrast okay mm -hmm. got it um run those yeah. numbers by me one more time mm -hmm. the key light is at a 10 bounce light mm -hmm. or the the omni light the fill light is going to be at a two yeah, and then we could see because that's how like one by five or one by four light okay. ratio is the basic sample I start with. Judging by the scene, I will either like expanding them or narrow it, so make the brightness closer between the omni light and the key light, or makes them like even way more contrast. So I darken the omni further. Okay, and it depends on like what type of yeah. Okay, and in this scene that we're looking at, the the uh, the omni light would basically be defining blue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. Okay, and the key light would be the one that is be that light coming in from the open door. It'd be the orange uh, temperature light, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that would be like a, the yellow. In this scene, I'd say the yellow is a key light because it yeah. fills up the character. But the reason I choose this screenshot is because it's a very smart way because they use the background bluish light flooding through the scene. Mm -hmm. While it lights the scene, it also gives a ring light effect to the character. So while the artist doing this, I think they just use the close-up key light, which is orange. They go in through the face of the character. It tells the surprise or shocking expression to the boy. And meanwhile, they use the background flat blue light to give that ring light effect. That's how they like the, 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 his hair, his face, and the shape of his body. Because animation is all about movement, I would see this blue light is secondary key light while it lights up the environment. So the result is not very noisy, but if the boy is moving, we could imagine that ring light just gives him a highlight outline and to emphasize the movement further. So the reason I choose this, that's why I feel this lighting these are very smart because they use only two light to simple the same, but it also emphasizes the movement and details. Okay, got it. Now, if we were to take, do you have an example of um, of like more of a sci-fi kind of setup? I think you, you have something your art station yeah. over here. Uh, yep, I think I only have that on my art station. But yeah, because I can use, like, see, this one is a date for Robinson. So this is like the project I did. So this is the Robinson the Journey, one of the shots from the pot. Mm -hmm. Sadly, I can't upload anything from Static yet. <laughs> Okay, so in this case, in this, in these scenes, you know, one of the issues, mm -hmm. one of the things sci-fi has is you, like a predominance of blue, right? But how do you set, in fact, actually, yeah. can you go to your front to your, there was a different image mm -hmm. I wanted to look at. Can you go to your main art station picture? Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, sure. And uh, let me see. Oh, it's the one, let me get to you the exact title. It's called Sunrise and Sci-Fi Hallway. Ah, this, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. So There's a lot going on in this. <laughs> it is. There's a lot going on. Yeah. So, I mean, if I was uninitiated, um, I didn't understand. I'm looking at this. I see pink. I see green. I see orange. I see mm -hmm. blue. I see, um, mm -hmm. looks like sunlight. So it's like warm light coming in. And then, uh, you know, there's a yeah. ton of reflections. How do you manage something mm -hmm. like this? If we're looking at your process, um, let's start with mm -hmm. that first thing you said. The first thing you do is you look for the temperature, um, which tells you yeah. the time of day and, and all of that. So what's the yeah. temperature here? 
Oh, here it is. I set up the skybox like early morning. Okay. So it's just to be like, it's sunny. Because why work on this thing is at first I changed the layout a bit because it's from the Unreal preset. And I opened two windows. And the reason I opened two windows here is because I'd like to introduce the sunlight, which flooding, and because everything is metal. Mm. I just use the entire thing as bouncing surface. Okay. So then I could get this amount of like a warm tone. And in return, about the bluish, initially I didn't like manage to get that purple, but I feel the original color of the shape, I didn't change that much, it just makes them quite bluish. And then this should go green if I push the blue further, because that's how the primary color works. And so I just told myself, I, I don't really want that because blue doesn't, uh, green doesn't really fit. Mm -hmm. So in return, I just changed the only light and also the surface. I changed the diffuse color a bit. And I think my, while I was like this, the key light was purely orange. And instead of using vertex color, I just use the color template because it will give the, like, all the texture surface more freedom. So they won't really get washed out. Sometimes I use vertex color, but I will never use the vertex color instead of color temperature in my key light. That's because that's when you light the thing and you get the color broken. Because if it's vertex and we have really crazy saturate, the entire texture color, the diffuse can get washed out. And that's how if we like this thing with purely orange vertex, I'll probably got all the bouncing ends up with orange and the, the entire thing kind of looks really flat. Of course, I don't want that. And how I read, how I read you with the skylight is instead of using a blue skylight, I just use the skybox. It's a HDR imaging mm. and I just project that HDR imaging as my secondary bouncing. Because I really like working with HDR secondary bounce instead of like just pure blue light from sky because as a secondary bouncing light this sky light just give me more freedom and more detail because it's an image it just get projected and all we need is set up the local cube map to make sure the bouncing is correct and then once i have a very correct back base between my skylight and the sunlight i can just develop further with those artificial lights so my working process is like first is a key light or the orange part so i tweaked all the angle to make sure like it lies put it creates a lighting pool on the ground and also i could get like more like bouncing for the roof and the wall so that's my warm room in return i have like the skylight this is a skybox reflection if you can see so the major color is like a very light blue and part, part of the skybox is a bit indigo. That's how I got the blue tone fixing. And after that, based on that, I just got the uh, like those ring light. I actually make the white link really blue. So while I bake it, I could get those bluish bumps in this. Okay, let me let's because un of the brightness. Yeah. Okay, let's unpack that. I think that seems really there's just so much depth to that. So like if we look right at this image where you've got the lighting path yeah. in it. Yeah. And we're looking at the middle, the the middle image, the image in the very the middle of all this. Um, mm -hmm. So I see warm and I see cool. And um, what I understood was is you set a, a skybox on the outside for early morning. So that's going to come in with that kind of orangish, yellowish light. Is that right? Yes. Okay, and that's coming in through the windows. And uh, and then how are you getting this kind of cooler, bluer light that's inside and lighting up that kind of center panel? Because I think you said your Omni light is a bit more orange, or was I wrong? Yeah, the, the, no, the Omni light is a bit blue, actually. Oh, is, is the what, sorry? Sorry, so the key light is the sun, like those area, yeah. if you could see my screen. Yeah. Okay, so this is where the genuine sunlight comes in. So it creates up a lighting pool here, uh -huh. and that's how I got the bouncing of it. But in return, like I said, because I use the, a very bluish skybox, yeah. and I just make the skylight as my secondary omni light. So that's how I got those blue, which they flooding through the window. But from here, I got this is basically because I use the uh, environment proof and that probe also attached a skybox. So it's more like I use a cube map with a skylight HDR imaging tucked on so I could get those interior reflections. It's still from the skylight, it's the same pattern, but there is a like environment prop. So it's a capture environment sphere in Unreal. And I can actually show you here. So oh, we're in Unreal. Yeah. 
Oh my yeah, god, this is, your, uh, this is your scene. This is the other one. I didn't even realize we yeah. get this treat. Yeah. Awesome. No, it's okay. So I just show you. So it's it's easier because sorry about my English. <laughs> and this is how it works. If you could see here. Yep. Cube brush. You're under the uh, okay. you're under the reflection capture, and you're within their cube brush setting. Yeah, it is. So I just use the cube oh, brush. Cube, and I'm sorry. This is the skybox. Yeah, this is the uh, skybox pitch image I use for this scene. But for the uh, for this sci-fi scene, it's exactly the same story. So how I got saying you were asking about those cooler secondary dancing. Yeah. It's actually yeah grounded by a sphere capture which get a cube map touch. And this cube map, I just make sure the angle and the texture is unified. So exactly like Skybox app. Okay, got it. So um, yes. this is, let me make sure I understand it. So this is a sphere mm -hmm. reflection Skybox. Okay. And, mm -hmm. uh, and this is basically mm -hmm. affecting the reflection color primarily, right? In the simple sense. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So you've got your light coming in and then you're mapping cool kind of a cool color to the reflection side of it so that yeah. when the light comes in it then reflects a cool uh yeah, color light okay got it yeah all right so now when somebody um and correct me if i'm wrong but lighting mm -hmm. you know it's easy for somebody i think to look at lighting and be like oh yeah, you know you put some lights in and you kind of you know that's cool <laughs> but um yeah. There are a million little tiny tricks, right? Like that cube brush, that sounds to me like not very intuitive of a trick. And it's something that's, a, mm -hmm. you know, you learn mm -hmm. how to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Am I right in saying that or or, or not? Um, it's more like, I think I just try to expand in, I don't know, because the cube, uh, I, won't, I won't call it like a trick. It's, it's more like if you think about taking a photograph and... I'm missing the secondary bouncing. How may I get the secondary bouncing? Like, of course, I need a whiteboard to get more flat. And I just thinking that way. And then I realized in Unreal, I have so many to, to introduce. Because I saw the other artists Unreal, they just, they attached like HDR texture on the skybox. So I was just, it's more like I'm half trying and half thinking, in theory, it should work. But I just tried it and then it works well for me. And then I start to use it. So great. I wouldn't think like yeah, any specific trick is important, but I guess that's how my photograph is a fundamental benefit. Yeah. And that's actually what I was getting yeah. to is, is it's not real world. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not getting the yeah. benefit of an infinite amount of bounce. Um, and no. so you have to manufacture this, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So part of your job is using the right kind of tools inside of Unreal to manufacture, you know, that quality, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, so along those lines, um, you know, what mm -hmm. are some of the kind of simple, maybe the essential tools that if, if, if an environment artist is starting out and they just want their work to look good, because, you know, an environment artist, they, you know, they mm -hmm. make all the stuff, but then they're looking at it and they're like, well, you know, it, it looks kind of boring, yeah. not very exciting. Mm -hmm. And then they throw on a, a skybox or they throw on some simple HDRI imagery and they're just not mm -hmm. getting the look of it. What are a few simple tools that they can use, you know, to, to get there? Mm, well, I studied 3D art from Maya, so back then I never touched any engine. What I use is just a Maya viewport, and now Maya viewport is like way more advanced. If they purely making like their own art based on 3D snacks on Maya, I think the rendering tool still works. But for quick result, I'd say because. I use my I use Unreal as like my personal work project just because it has so many resources and it has lots of freedom and it's very friendly. So I I encourage people use Unreal like even you don't really have to use those kind. There's some like ready set levels. Maybe just start with that because that's how I studied Unreal in the beginning because I don't know anything about lighting in the beginning and I just started preset level and gradually I familiar with true like one by one and. Then that's, I think my fundamental knowledge about photography only works when I have known the tool really well. So for environment artists, I say find a thing and with like really good preset of environment and just drop your game machine and see how it works. That's one way. And if they really would like to practice lighting, I think any 3D tool with viewport is good. 
or like some of the quick renderings you have like a really quick render preset for artists like Maxwell I think and I didn't use that myself but I saw people use it like most of them they're architectural interior designers and they feel that that one is a good start but for me I think Unreal still the most friendly one because they have no free resource mm -hmm. and different aspects yeah and we have also you know, there's always an online guidance so though all of those stuff could guide people that's how i learned because i didn't to be honest i didn't work at an unreal project at work because all the project that i've involved is either developer engine or cry engine by or now it's like lumberyard so i would say i just feel like i use unreal for studying the tool knowing the tool and so it gives me lots of freedom so i always choose it okay got it so um <laughs> Do you mind, uh, and I'm, I'm going to open up questions here in just, uh, just a second, guys. I know you've been shouting things out, but I, I really wanted to kind of deep dive into this. And, and Maria's really gone deep in this, and I don't think we've even remotely scratched the surface of, of, of her knowledge. But Mar Maria, if you can, I'd love you to, in that Unreal, take, a, like, take us into your Unreal scene. And, um, yeah. and when I look at this, I'll be, I'll be honest, it's incredibly intimidating. Because there's like there was how many lights ah. were there set up there? There was probably fifteen lights. Yeah. Would I would love to understand how you go about the process of setting this up and breaking something like this down to, mm. you know, to even start. Because I mean, I look at this this thing. This is unbelievably beautiful. What you have here, you have color, you have temperature, you have contrast, you have reflection, you have mm. fog. Um, you know, mm. eh, caustics. Uh, you've mm. got warm and cool. Uh, you've got different shades of green going to blue. You've got oranges going and yellows going to reds. So there's an enormous amount of variety and you know, really awesome things going on. So how do you, how do you start a scene like this? That's the first question. Walk me through your yeah. thinking process again. So the first thing you do is you start with imagery and reference, and you're establishing color or temperature. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So like this part is from the original movie, and that's how I draft up my color temperature. Okay. So I just tell myself, in, like stay with this blue, stay with this yellow, and just don't go too way more like bright or oversaturated. Mm -hmm. So I just keep this in my mind. And then I start with the key light study, and I get a few screenshots. It's from the uh, BBC Sherlock Holmes, because it backed, that's exactly the age and the light source I was looking for. So it should be quite dimmer with some fog. And those images just give me the idea, like how I'm am I going to design my key light or where it comes from? Okay. So specific reason I took this is because like I've tried to find the ideal angle with similar room set with the interior, like the right angle to shape up like with the chairs and make everything working. And meanwhile, this side, which the light come from, like the opposite side of the key light is not pitch black. So this is the basic idea I start with. And some those images I just purely use like I need this effect of the light shaft. Then I obviously I need to set up the full volume with ideal density. Mm -hmm. So that's basic idea about color, contrast, and incidence angle of the key light, and general room contrast and the details like fog particles. So I start with that. Okay, um, so temperature. Then what was the second one? Sorry. Mm -hmm. It's temperature here, and yep. then it's the incident key light angle. Key light angle, and got it. And light ratio. Okay, light yeah, ratio. See, like Great. brightness and darkness. Yeah, light ratio. And, and then this is the detail. And then the detail. Great. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. So ratio is next, and then detail. Yeah, so okay. first, decide the color one. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Um, what do you get in detail? Like, what are you looking for in the detail section? Okay, so detail is because I was working in the interior. So the only detail I'm going to use, except the water caustics, is the fog. Okay. So the reason I collect those images is for very specific case, see how those fog and particles going to behave like the age of the window mm -hmm. or like how the gradient's gonna change between like the dusty area and non-dust because I have some areas wet. Okay. So I just try to get correct into like the reference. And for this one it's purely for gradients because in this scene the key light come from top, which is similar like what I have in my window. So I just try to grasp to the idea how the gradients of the fog gonna change. Mm. It's all about like the brightness, mid-tone, darkness. So I just started that and try to deliver similar. Got it. 
Got it. Okay, yeah. and then and then okay, got it. And along these lines, like, what are the things that people commonly m mix up? Because I I can I look at this and I'm like, there's so much color variation, there's so much value variation. I mean, it, you could vary this a little bit, and suddenly you have a Thomas Kincaid painting, right? Like it's it becomes too too obvious. So what yeah. are some of the other mistakes that people tend to make as they try to set up this dynamic lighting? I think first place which will make Confuse artist is the saturate is like the temperature of the color because okay. when I myself lighting it's very easy for me to say oh the bright warm is nice because if we look, if you look closely about those images I'd say instead of looking detail look something similar see all the cold tone they are blue and all the warm tone they are yellow yeah. but judging by the color saturate this is like bright blue and very decent. Yeah. And in return, this, the blue is almost a white tone, but the yellow is true. So it's always, for me, it's like balance. If I use a very, like, saturated cold tone, the warm tone gonna be desaturated. That's how we balance the picture. Because I think that idea comes from when I study photography again. If you take a picture on film, they will only read either warm or cold, because the traditional photography can't present everything. But in return, it it looks more convincing. So that's how I was study about the saturate. And the second thing I think people will confuse is about the contrast. Because well, judging by any picture, if we have a bright point in the center and we have a dark in the surrounding, it will make this picture very let's say grasp attention really well. But in return, I feel I'm gonna risk losing the detail, the highlight zone or the low key light or the dark room. So I, that's why I always refer to real-time photograph to remind myself I need to keep a certain amount of detail in each room because that's how the real world works unless we have like extreme scenario like this. We got like huge bounce light, really bright and create a light. So yeah, most of the image I use just try to regular myself while lighting so I won't go crazy just because I look at the detail only instead of the big picture. Got it. All right. So I think out of all mm -hmm. out of this, the central thought themes I've got is um, temperature, mm -hmm. your key light, which also is an element of balance, ratio to get that right, and then to make sure you're you're looking at the details. Now, once you've got all of that, how do you start setting that up inside of Unreal? And we don't need to open Unreal. Just like, what are some generic <laughs> steps okay. for doing that? Okay. okay sure. Yeah. I guess my computer kind of really slow down if I open. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, so after that, uh, in Unreal, it's fairly simple because I watched some tutorial. Again, I will recommend a tutorial. It's called Unreal Lighting Academy, done by Kilman, Middlehead Lighting Artist at DICE. Because <clears throat> just to start simple, if I like the interior thing, I will just start with the incident. I'm going to use this one as an example. It's quite obvious. So in this thing, I need a key light to shape up everything well. So I just choose this angle because the reason I choose it, it hits the ground. It tells me the, the volume of the box. It gives a nice line, like leaking light draws out of the way. So the floor will not be purely flat. And after that, I set up this bluish light bounce from the skybox. But again, this blue light is not only like grounded from the skylight directly. I use a light prop to attach it. Or if this way is not working, I will just set up a really low secondary light, make them blue. So you will get a very sharp incident. And then you get those soft bouncing to light up the secondary detail. And also it will help you to tell the material. And after that, think about the soft and sharpening, the sharpening of uh, soft light. Because if the window shape is quite sharp because of contrast, and imagine if I like this chandelier really sharp, I'll probably have a very noisy image, which I do not want at all. So what I've done here, I just use the only light without any lighting power, but cast the fog. So I could light up, give them some like illuminance about the foam, but won't make it like the reflection gonna go crazy because there's no light heat on this chandelier at all. So I can guarantee I have some brightness around them that it's not really have lots of like a bling bling pattern, just yeah. make it soft. So that's how I judge it. So I will see the key light, where the key light cover should be sharp. And this is where the main object can, and we can create like rim light effect or like direct reflection in this. But 
Except this area, I will consider the rest of my scene is a second light. So they should be really soft. If, say, I have a sharp like spotlight hitting those objects to make them nice and shaped up, in return, on the left distance, I only use only light because it gives me like this illuminant power, but it also gives me like very soft touch. So nothing will go crazy noisy because otherwise I will feel here is sharpened, here is sharpened, and that's how I get very noisy. And it's not good to emphasize the key or like any type of object you want to set. It just basically gives you the dips where lighting, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, and after that is for the fog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, after that is for the fog. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, okay, so we I'm we are definitely taking up a bit of your time. So I think if you don't, if uh, you're ready, I guess I'm going to open this up for questions. Um, and and I know fog is one of the things that's always a beast um, for for us. Um, let's uh, yeah. let's open this up, guys, and uh, get your questions. All right, I'm going to start up at the top. Corinne, uh, what resources have you used to break down stage lighting? And I think um, you actually just mentioned one of those resources, which was uh, the Unreal 4 Lighting Academy. Uh, yep. Okay. Uh, Corinne was also asking, how do you break down winter lighting since the shadows are blue? Um, I'm not quite understand this question. Would you mind to explain a bit? Yeah, she was asking, um, so we've looked at, mm -hmm. uh, you know, quite a, quite a bit of scenarios, but how do you set up winter lighting scenarios? Mm, you mean this one I'm currently showing on the screen? Or? Uh, you know, well, let's do this. Corinne, give me a scene or a scenario that you, or an image, one of her images yeah. that you want, and then I'll ask her to break that down. And then while we're in the, while, while we're waiting for you, Corinne, um, I'm going to pull over to Edison. Edison's question, does the lighting that artists make in Unreal 4 scene is the only light that is being used in the game, or there's added enhancement that technical artists add to it? Does that question make sense to you? Uh, yep. So I guess he, the question is about the process or like the production, but mm -hmm. I would say in most people, at least those uh, projects that I've worked on, in-game lighting is purely handled by the engine. Because as a lighting artist, the very important responsibilities, on one hand, we have to maintain the quality of art, but on the other hand, we have to maintain the performance. So that's why I say always keep the night simple and neat in the beginning, because we have have to keep an eye on the budget front because in-game environment is not only the light gonna take the performance there's material animation particles and all the gameplay missions so we have to consider about the others as well and also uh, i think a value to work as a game artist a very important value is the ability to maintain the art quality while you could respect the rule of performance Got it. So mostly the lighting artist handles things. People don't handle it or change it after that, right? No. Yeah. Sometimes we have to cut our own light because it's over budget. Got it. Yeah. But you guys handle it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there was some camera <laughs> setting discussion. Got it. Ubaid uh, the, asks, the pipeline differs from studio to studio, but while I was working on a project, hold on. Artists did work together mm -hmm. before. Nope. That's just they're talking back and forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay. Edison's got another question for a portfolio with an exterior render. What is the best time okay. of day to set your lighting for so that the colors really pop? Okay, I'd say just like you imagine you're shooting a landscape photograph, you use a magic hour. Because if it's a starter, use a magic hour is really good. Because mm. that's a very good hour to give you balance between cold and warm time. And also, you could find lots of reps about it. Yep. So it's going to make your job easier. All right, so the magic hour, guys, and that's when the sun is close to the horizon, so it changes the way that the um, the light rays filter through the atmosphere, and, and it's beautiful. It's like Hudson River School-type paintings. Yeah. Um, but you Google it, you'll see. As soon as you Google magic hour, you'll see the warm and the enriching light um, that comes from it. All right, guys, thank you much for being here. Maria, again, thank you so much. Um, have an awesome night. I imagine it's getting quite late there. And, uh, yeah, it's all right. And then uh, the rest of you guys, I'll see you in <laughs> class. All right, take care. Okay, take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com 
to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.